Hello, world. Welcome back to Golf Subpar with Colt Nost and Drew Stoltz. Coming off a massive week at the Memorial. By the way, there were no milkshakes consumed by yours truly. I feel like that's a letdown more than anything. I know. It's like you go to the Mecca, you go to Paris, and you'll see the Eiffel Tower. I just didn't have time. I was out there on the golf course. The getting malt. all my steps in. The malt? My you got to fuel up, dude. Didn't you got to have enough cows. Them. I know. What's Parker doing out there? Other than texting me all the time. Shout out, Parker. Saw <laughs> <laughs> some weird pictures that involved the pineapple on his head. Some other. I was like, what are you doing, bud? Yeah, he's Love he's him, though. There. He's awesome. But how about our man, Billy Ho, picking up his seventh PGA Tour win, just absolutely dominated on the weekend. That 765 on Saturday was one of the best rounds I've ever seen on a very, very difficult golf course. And then right when you look like he might be slipping a little bit on Sunday, bam, buries a 52-foot eagle putt and night-night. Uh, what a run he had. I mean, I think starting after the 10th hole of the first round, he went, what, 48 holes without a bogey on that golf course? That's tough. I mean, that's one of the few places on tour, major championships excluded, where if you miss fairways, it's a problem. It's hard to hit greens. They're bouncy. You got no spin on the right. Like, they're coming off Colonial, which is a little bit the same way. But, like, you got to drive it straight out there. That's just incredible was- ball striking for a long period of time, did not slip up and have one bow out there, especially with those greens. They're hard to putt. That was the first time in a long time I've seen rough like that on the PGA Tour. It was fun, it wasn't was it? nice to see. I thought they I had mean, that golf course perfect. I yeah. was like, you can. it's still scorable. Guys will shoot some low scores. That 65 you said from Billy, that was all time. It was like, you can go get it, but just like we saw, how about the big numbers we saw on Sunday? You get it going crooked off the tee, mm-hmm. like you got no chance. It's fun to see that. It is. I mean, it's one of those, when I'm walking down the fairways and a ball goes in the rough, most weeks I'm just like, ah, sitting down a little bit, it's fine there i actually had to go over there and look at it yeah i mean the live max homa had on 18 my god that led to a disastrous double bogey sunday was just ridiculous man it looked like seriously like an elephant escaped from the zoo and stepped on it yeah when max ain't advancing it anywhere out of the rough you know it's bad and that's just like i feel like that just brings the guys that are playing the best it just all aspects of your game out there like a little mini major championship that set up and i thought they had it perfect back when COVID was happening, they had it back-to-back weeks. It was real scorable the first week. Then they said, no, no, none of that. And they made it really hard. I thought like, this was like the perfect combo. You could get it. But if you weren't playing good golf, you got exposed. Like my guy that was my best bet of the week, Mr. Cam Young. How about oh. him, dude? First-round leader. People like, great call, sleeves. Look, everything's great. And he's just hanging around 10th, 12th, whatever, in, easily inside the top 20 all week. I look up there. I'm like, oh, I haven't seen, I haven't seen my guy Cam's name up on the leaderboard in a while. Click on the uh, app, 84. Think he, I didn't think he was capable of that. I think he made quad on nine, bogey 10, bogey 11, like tripled 12 or something. He had some limbing stretches there. Yeah. yeah and my tough. man, Roy McIlroy, was also, I thought he he was five under going into the weekend. I was like, this guy's going to win. He's going to run all over these people. It's going to get firmer. He hits it to the moon. A little 73, 74 on the weekend to finish tied for 18th. Uh, we, Our best we, bets we were lose. looking good, and then yeah. Sunday happened. Then, yeah, what did Rory go out in 41? And 41 then all of a sudden Sunday. he looked like Rory again on the back. Yeah. It just gives you those flashes like, oh, my God, that's four days yeah, of that. That's a little a 41. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, it's exciting. We see we see a lot of the best players playing very well heading in to the third major championship of the year. Now the U.S. Open, which is just – it's next week. It's here. They're coming. Bang, bang, bang. And we are going to be on location, Sleaze, at the U.S. Open Wednesday, June 15th at Barrymore in Newton, Massachusetts with our friends from TaylorMade and Doers. We'll be recording live at 5 p.m. and sticking around for some Doers cocktails after the show. The Golf.com team will be taking over Barrymore on both Tuesday and Wednesday of that week. We'll have simulator on site, product giveaways, custom merch available for purchase, and more. So it's bound to be a great time. Check out Golf.com slash Clubhouse for more information. And if you're in the area, stop by and get amongst it with us as we kick off the U.S. Open. So this is going to be a lot of fun. I've never been to Brookline. I'm very excited. Never been there either. I've been to Boston in the summer all time. It's all like... Like the vibe of Chicago. It's like it's so cold and nasty all winter that as soon as it gets nice, people just come out the woodworks like caged animals. It's awesome. I can't wait to get up there. And if your dad is a golfer, a golf fan, or he appreciates a great scotch whiskey, Doers has the best gift idea ever, especially since the last day of the 122nd U.S. Open is Father's Day. This year, ace Father's Day by giving Dad a custom bottle of Doers with your own personalized message on the label. A gift this epic is fairly easy, too. Just visit Doers.com to draft your message. Doers will then mail your bottle or two free labels right to your door. As simple as that, you've just won gifting pretty much forever. If you ask nice, Dad might even share a little with you after a round or two. Visit Doers.com now and create a custom label that will make Dad's day and help cement your reputation as a gift-giving champion. From Doers, the official Scotch whiskey of the 122nd U.S. Open. Hey, Dad, give me money. That's a good message to put on there. Send money. Perfect, you do yeah. that. Yeah, that's what you should do. Here's for some scotch. Send me some cash. I mean, you lived at his house for a year and a half, but hey, by the way, just give me some by money. By the way, too. some cash, dude. We're gonna be so tight. You know what I mean? Share the spread the wealth, bud. Well, we got a fun episode this week, Sleeves. We got 
It, it pains me a little bit, but considering the way the Battle of the Iron Skillet's gone the last two years in SMU's favor, it didn't pain quite as much to have a TCU, another TCU Horn Frog on the show. But we got Tom Hoagie in the building. About time. And it's another one of those episodes, I think, that like got, you see Hoagie out there, you saw him win at Pebble, you see his name pop around the leaderboard a little. You don't know what, I don't think most people know a ton about Tom Hoagie. And I think this one will be like, oh, I like that guy. I'm going to root for him going forward. He's a good dude. We get into a lot of, he ain't afraid to roll some dice. He ain't afraid he to fire, which we cover in depth. But he's just a fun dude to be around. I think the most impressive thing about his game, like he's one of the best iron players on the PJ Tour right now, but he doesn't have like a super power. He's not hitting it where DJ hits it or where Rory hits it or any of these guys. He does it like you watch him on the range, like, oh, I can kind of do that. But he's just turned into a beast. He's damn, he's maybe playing on the President's Cup team here in the fall. He is very, very solid. It, it's a very fun interview. And I'm very excited to announce, Lee's, that our, mm. our guys from Rock Form are back good news for everyone the best speaker in the biz is back rock form is who we're talking about you know the speakers you've seen them here before got birdie juice on them you can scoop those powerful magnets that grab the cart they won't let go no clamps needed you stick it to the cart and just take off the sound on these bad boys these things thump waterproof slash transfusion proof you drop it no sweat pick it up back up the thing's still working and the battery life's the thing we talk about all the time the i best. used one this weekend and i charged it for about i didn't use it in months Charge it for about 10 seconds. It's like, I ah, will see if it works. Go to the course. Bam. Thing worked the entire time. Mine's lasted six rounds. It's, it's a beast, it's incredible. Dude. And they added that micro SD card. So if you if you have bad service out, if you're golfing in the wilderness, you can store up to 5,000 songs on it. It's incredible. Rockform also makes phone cases with built-in magnets so you can stick your phone to the golf cart. They are super protective and convenient with the magnets. Rockform, go get amongst it with them. They're the best. All right, here comes Tom Hoagie on Golf Subpar. All right, finally, the day has come where we got a fellow TCU Horn Frog up in this joint. He's a reigning champ at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am, currently sitting ninth on the FedEx and President's Cup standings, and currently ranked number one and most aggressive craps player in the world. Tom Hoagie, what up? <laughs> What's up, guys? I was trying to figure out why you're having me on here, because uh, I listen in, certainly have a lot more entertaining guests than I am, but... Uh, I guess we figured out you're in Fort Worth last week. You need a horn frog on here, right? Got to, well, dude. Listen, it's, it's either you or, or Ladanian Tomlinson. They don't have much else there at TCU. <laughs> uh, Gary, shit, we had Gary. Now he's gone. Now we just take coaches from SMU. They're a feeder school, right? <laughs> I mean, if you can't beat them, just steal their coaches from them. They're like our tri- <laughs> they're like our AAA program. We just let them breed them and develop them, and then we snatch them up and give them some more money and take them. <laughs> Perfect. Oh man! Right, well, please, are we going to start with a little gambling? Here? I think we got to start with gambling, dude. I want to warm up the water for my guy Hoagie here. And oh God! People have heard the stories. I think J- Jordan Spieth was maybe the one that made it public when he told the story about you teaching him how to play craps. We'll get into that right, uh, here in a second. But I want to know this because you're at a tournament, you're bouncing all over the place. We all know you like to flip cards and roll some dice, just like every other warm-blooded male in the world. How far does a casino have to be away from your hotel for you to be like, <laughs> no, too far? Uh, probably a few hours, I would say. I've been known to do in my past, but uh, a few hours is three hours from your hotel. Is that a is that a yay or a nay? That's a haul, dude. Mm, that's a that's a little far. I mean, we've got so many casino stops along the way throughout the year. But uh, my wife's with me every week. I call her the parole officer because uh, she keeps me in check most of the time, and uh, I'm still still serving my sentence from last fall in uh, Las Vegas for back to back weeks. <laughs> That's awesome. Is it more craps or blackjack for you? I enjoy craps a lot more. Blackjack's kind of just a little change of the pace here and there when I need to sit down and give my legs a break for a few minutes, but uh, mostly craps. I joke with guys a lot. It's uh, it, uh, people think I'm kidding, but I was like, as soon as if there's a casino nearby. The second the putt goes in on 18, Tom Hoagie's out of here. <laughs> He's there. There ain't no practice afterwards if there's a casino nearby. Those are my old ways. Come on, Colt. I'm getting old here now, and uh, I'm staying away. I've learned my lesson. Yeah, but you're so, We're trying to get you some fans. <laughs> they love we that. We played uh, back-to-back years, two weeks in Vegas, and they crushed my will by the end of those two weeks. <laughs> so uh, I'm finally learning, I guess. Listen, the- as your elder – Two, two straight weeks in Vegas, mate. You're, you're just going to lose at some point. You're not going to get them. I'll tell you what. I've never got to that point. But by, by the end of those two weeks, I mean, it almost makes you physically sick walking by a crap table or a blackjack table <laughs> trying to get out to the golf course every day. Oh, when you hear the little bells ringing from the slot machines and it's like PTSD. You're like, oh, Jesus. Break into sweats. How how high would you have to – what would you have to finish for it to not make sense for you to go to Vegas? Like if you finish top 20, top 20, 20th, 20th, 
Are you coming out in the positive after two weeks of spending time in the casinos? Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay, you're fine. Uh, well, hopefully. I guess I shouldn't say that. But uh, like I said, I'm getting old. I've learned my lesson. I've learned when you got to punt on third and 30 now instead of going the fourth <laughs> down. But uh, <laughs> they're expensive lessons. Luckily, luckily, I was learning my lessons on my corn fairy days, my first years on tour without much money. So it didn't cost me too badly. Uh, like you said, there's a lot of stops on tour where there are casinos. Which PGA Tour event have you had the most success at at the at the casino nearby? Mm. Mm. I know it's not the John Deere that hasn't been very nice to me. <laughs> I would probably say New Orleans. I've done well yeah. there, and and this year I've done well because I've always been down at the start of the week, and I made some miraculous rally on Friday night or Saturday and just quit for the week. So I always ended up up there, but. Um, this year was a sad day because I decided not to stay at the Harrods in New Orleans. I stayed somewhere else and didn't go in the casino for the week. So oh. it's a sad day as I'm getting old here. What's wow, the point of even changed. going? Yeah, <laughs> that's not the hoagie I know. Have you ever no had any? You're printing money. Yeah no, yeah, no wonder you're so rich now, dude. We're <laughs> <laughs> not having any fun, though. Have you ever had any success? I'm making money and keeping money. It's a hell of a deal. Yeah, um, we're we're on the other side of that argument. Uh, have you ever had any success since we all three know it at talking stick here in Scottsdale, where they have the no fun rule allowed inside the casino? They are tough at talking. stick. I haven't been in there in a while, but, uh, like you said, you start winning a little bit there and have a little bit of fun. They'll kick you out of there in a heartbeat. Oh, if you cheer (laughs) when you win, you get kicked out. But if you want to triple mortgage your crib and hand over your firstborn to them, they'll gladly take that from you ridiculous my favorite move uh during the covid deal when they put up the plexiglass and the blackjack tables was to act like it's a hockey game and start banging on the glass whenever you get a good hand going and they didn't they didn't take that too well there at talking stick (laughs) colt and i had that that in vegas a while back when they had that disastrous plexiglass (laughs) shit i hated it i was trying to touch the dealer and thank her and you couldn't get to her exactly Slays fogged up the plexiglass and drew a heart on it for the dealer when she busted. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. I blew, I, and I drew a heart to let her know, thank you. <laughs> Could you? We'll get into a lot of golf here, but just if you are going on the road to casino, you got any road dogs that go with you? You got guys that like to do that too? Or is it, are these solo missions? Like these are, this is like, you're clocking in. Mm, I mean, Matt Every's gotten in some trouble with me there at some casinos. Uh, Ricky Barnes has always been good for some fun on the craps table. Uh, I'm trying to think. I mean, it's been a while now for me with the whole COVID deal and everything else. But, I mean, you go back a few years, like you said, the Jordan Spieth deal gets brought up a lot. Um, we had some fun there at John Deere at the Joomers. We have a big craps table going with a lot of the guys playing. But, uh, I mean, that's what's so fun about craps, right? I mean, you're all playing together and you're all going to win or lose together. It's not like blackjack where one guy can win at a time. But that craps table gets hot. It gets fun on that thing. What's the longest you've ever been at a table that someone's held the dice? Mm. Mm. probably me personally maybe 40 45 minutes that's That's actually a a funny story um i become good friends with gavin maloof out in vegas just met him at bellagio playing one day and i've known him for a few years now but it was 2018 was my first year on tour where i kind of had a good year i finished third at hawaii early and i was kind of locked into the fedex cup playoff so i was finally able to take some weeks off when i was getting in and uh we just come off Bay Hill. The tour was going to Puerto Rico and we we're at Scott Hamilton's house in Atlanta about to fly home on Monday afternoon. My wife, Kelly's with me. I'm like, Kelly, we should go to Vegas for uh, NCAA basketball sweet 16 weekend. I've never been to the, to Vegas for basketball. I think it will be incredible. And she's like, absolutely not. We're not going because it'll cost <laughs> us a shitload. I'm like, all right, fair enough. I didn't really argue it, but uh, that Friday night, we would have been there Thursday through Saturday. But that Friday night, Gavin Maloof's girlfriend rolled for four hours there at oh. the Bellagio. Longest roll in the history of Nevada. Everybody at the table won like three to $500,000. And I had videos of it coming to my phone from other friends. I was like, thanks, could have Kelly. Been there. That, that one hurts. Thanks, babe. <laughs> Good decision. Wow. Yeah. Holy That's shit. the dream of at night. That's lifelong friends. If you're at a table where someone rolls for four hours, like they're going to your wedding, they're going to everything. Like you are lifelong friends. <laughs> How much did Gavin win on that roll? Holy oh my shit. Yeah. I think it was about 300 grand. There was a lot more to the story, but um, like I said, it, they, they confirmed it was the longest roll in the history of Nevada. Wow. That's unreal. 
Never even seen anything like that. That's uh, my luck. Could have been could have been there, but I was at home in Texas. Oh my See god! A hot crap stable might be the most fun environment in gambling, because like you said, Nothing everybody's winning. There's nothing when somebody's going. That's you make friends real fast at a crap stable. You can also just get your head kicked in 12 minutes and lose a grizz and go home <laughs> with your tail between your legs. But a hot one is the best. That's yeah. normally the movie I'm in. Yeah, I, I've yeah, had no success in craps. I gotta go with hog, dude. I'm obviously doing it wrong. Last. Last gambling question for me, but I think back going back to your TCU days, if I recollect correctly, you had an evening where maybe you and a buddy might have pulled a damn near all-nighter up at the old Windstar <laughs> up there in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And then you come back and you either had like workouts at 6 a.m. or qualifying or something the next day, and old Wild Bill Monagel found out about that thing and uh, wasn't too pleased with his star going out there all night. Yeah, it was pretty funny. Uh, Jordan Wolf's the suspect in question there. And... I was on a run where I was going up to Windstar. That must have been my sophomore year in like December, you know, classes winding down. But I was going two or three days a week and I was winning like every time at Blackjack. All they had was Blackjack there. <laughs> and we go and it must have been three or four o'clock in the morning. Jordan's in playing poker and I come in. I'm like, Jordan, I'm getting my ass kicked here. I'm down like a thousand bucks. You know, everything I've won for the last few weeks, I'm firing back and being the great friendy is he walks me back to the door of the poker room and kind of gives me a push and just says well go get it back i'm like come on that's the last thing you're supposed to say here but it was actually hilarious i did get all the money back we and i got to even and we sprinted out of there but it was about six o'clock when we were rolling back into fort worth sun's starting to come up there and uh there's kind of a team inner squad uh, Ryder Cup format, so to speak, that uh, Jordan and I had to go play in. So it was a quick change of the clothes and right to the tee at Southern Oaks there. And uh, as you said, Coach wasn't real pleased with that one, but he likes to gamble himself, so yeah, he can relate a little bit. Exactly. He uh, finds those poker rooms, dude. Yeah, I, I think that. he always made our schedule based off where the best poker rooms were in uh, across the country. 100%. <laughs> My agent, Tom, came up with a stat at some point in my career and let me know that I was nine for 27 and making cuts where there was a casino. (laughs) He's like, we don't need to play these anymore. Dude. I always looked at it as more motivation. You got to go play well, because you got to make it back somewhere. I agree. Let's talk a little bit about your golf because I think that's what people really, really (laughs) want. You also play golf, Tom. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, You do play golf. You're pretty good at it. You got your first PGA tour win this year, but I want to go back. Not many golfers out of Fargo, North Dakota. First of all, how the hell did you even get introduced to the game? Yeah, I mean, I kind of tagged along with my parents when I was real young, older brother. Um, but I was fortunate because we had a club, 18-hole um, golf course that hosted the U.S. Junior in 1995, kind of the time when I was growing up. But there's also a par three course where the holes were 60 to 130 yards, so a good spot to go hang out as a junior golfers. But there were probably eight to ten Division One golfers um, stretching from – five to six years older than I was till a few years after. So there's just a really good run where there are a lot of good players out there to compete with a lot of my buddies wanted to hang out at the golf course. So, uh, just a good spot to grow up and play golf. And our high school team was good. And, um, you know, there were a couple of guys ahead of me that went to TCU as well. Andy Doden started it and then Dave Schultz. There's kind of a connection from Fargo coming down to Texas and, um, it worked out well for me. I had to get the heck out of the snow. That's for sure. Yeah. Brandon Dave asked Schultz you too. Picked- yeah, Dave yeah, Schultz exactly. could take some turf. Oh, my <laughs> yeah. goodness! Hockey player. Yeah. yeah, he's a wow. little, uh, he's a little down, a little steep on the rock. God, he played good for a while though, too, dude. He was good. Yeah, Hog. How hard is it to like get on the map as a junior golfer coming out of Fargo? Because like you can win the North Dakota everything, high school, amateur, all that stuff, and like I think coaches look at it like, all right, it's North Dakota. Like you should be winning everything. Is it hard to yep. kind of get looks from the big schools coming from Fargo? Yeah, for sure. And that's where I felt fortunate. You know, um, some of the older guys have gone through that recruiting process. And I sat down with my parents and our head pro at Fargo Country Club. And that's kind of what he told us. He's like, you know, you can be the best player here, beating everybody by a million and no coach is going to care because it's North Dakota. They're not coming to look for you. So you've got to get out. You've got to play some AJGAs. You got to try to play a national schedule where you can catch their attention a little bit. And, um, I was fortunate, you know, I played a few AJGAs here and there and some of the events like the Western Junior and that sort of stuff just to try to get out of North Dakota. I mean, we pretty much had to go to Chicago, um, places like that. It was as close as we would get for an AJGA, but um, I was fortunate we were able to do that. And, 
you know, I wouldn't say I had a good junior career or anything. I would play okay, maybe finish 10th, 12th in some AJGAs, but um, I really caught a break. The U.S. Amateur was being played at uh, Hazeltine in 2006, going into my senior year of high school. And uh, I was first alternate out of our Fargo site for the U.S. Amateur. And I drove down there, not in the field. And there was a guy, uh, Jason Pridmore, his name is. If you're out there, thank you. I still haven't thanked you very much yet for it. But uh, <laughs> if I remember the story correctly, as a member of the Michael Jordan racing team, had a broken leg, showed up to Hazeltine trying to play there. And then ultimately decided the morning of that he wasn't going to play. So I was in at like a 7.30 tee time in the U.S. Amateur. And uh, I played all right. I think I missed match play by maybe two or three shots. But Coach Monigle was there and finally saw me play and was like, man, this guy might be okay, actually, after uh, some pretty mediocre junior results. Was there anywhere else you were thinking about other than TCU? Um, I had talked to a few schools, you know, UNLV, Minnesota a little bit. But I always wanted to get out of there. and. Um, you know, coach offered me a small scholarship at TCU and I kind of took it real fast because that was kind of the best option I had. You should have gone to UNLV. You would have been a perfect you, Oh my God. I didn't even think that. about that. You'd be living on the side of Vegas Boulevard, bro. They kicked me in the yeah, nuts for was, 20 uh, bucks. That'd be you. the best, best <laughs> move of my life. <laughs> oh, okay. That would have been a great fit. You would have been a disaster. You damn sure wouldn't have won on the PGA Tour. <laughs> Kick me in the balls, $20. My name's Tom Hoagie. Oh, God, that would have been yeah, great. Exactly. Let's I talk wanna... a little bit about your journey. Uh, as a oh, you, you have some more college stuff, Slice? No, no. Go, go. Let's go to the start of like pro. There's some good stuff there. Yeah, because obviously it was a little bit of a journey. Canadian Tour to Corn Ferry before you finally got to the PGA Tour. Take us through your professional start? Yeah. So, um, my senior year of college, our team didn't make the NCAA championships. We just missed a regional. So I turned pro right away, went down, played an Adams tour event. Um, and then I was going to go back home and play a few Canadian tour events that were close to Fargo. So uh, I had a high school buddy that just turned pro at the same time. His parents lived in Saskatoon was the first one I went up to on the Canadian tour. Um, and I had to go Monday qualify at, uh, you know, that was the time the Canadian tour was kind of struggling right before the PGA tour stepped in and bought it. So Monday qualifying was basically show up and finish 18 holes and you were pretty much going to get in. Um, so I played the first one, made the cut. Um, and we were leaving there maybe four or five o'clock that afternoon. And I had to get on to, uh, Winnipeg to play the next Monday qualifier again. Um, basically the only way out of the Monday qualifiers up there is to win. So I was right onto that. So we showed up into Winnipeg at maybe three o'clock in the morning, I would say, and uh, 7 a.m. tea time for the Monday qualifier. So we get out and this was the days before Siri on your phone or whatnot. So it was like MapQuest on your on the computer the night before, put out their directions. So we're trying to find Elmhurst Country Club with a buddy and we're on Elmhurst Road. And we're like, uh, I'm not sure what the hell we do, but we're, there's no golf course here. So we're beelined across town still. We, we hung up by a train actually. And pull in the parking lot maybe five minutes for my tee time. So I kind of stumble out there on the first tee. And uh, away I went. I ended up getting through in a playoff that week. So I'm in the field, uh, Winnipeg. There was a buddy that had to caddy for me uh, for a one-hole playoff in that qualifier. And he, we make it through. He set me up with a hotel for the week. He had a place his buddy owned. Uh, could get me a pretty good rate. So I was all in, you know. As, as Sleeves like to say, this was only my third jicky. So, I mean, I was all about saving money there. So... We roll in there. My other buddies actually missed in the Monday qualifier. They were driving back to Fargo and they get called back to get in the field real late. So I catch up with them the next day. They're staying at the same place we are. And, uh, you know, just ask them if they made it in. Okay. And they start dying laughing. I'm like, what's the deal? And they're like, well, we went to check in the hotel that your buddy set us up at. And, uh, the lady at the front desk asked if we want to check in now, if we want to wait a little bit, because the dancers are about to go on stage. <laughs> so I guess being naive, I missed the fact that this was a strip club that we were staying in for the week up in Canada. It's so good. But, uh, fantastic. Yeah, so I, I was playing well then for the week. I was leading the tournament, I think, after two rounds, and the air conditioning goes out that night. And it just randomly happened to be like 100 degrees up there in Winnipeg, which I think never happens. So couldn't sleep at all that night. Uh, I still played decent that day. I think it was in second or third. I check out of there and end up staying at the casino that night. Once again, 
led me to the right direction. <laughs> but uh, I ended up winning the tournament that week, which got me out of the PGA Tour Canadian Open the next week. But I guess looking back, you know, I'm one for one string and strip clubs for the yes. week. You know, maybe I got to catch on to something here and uh, pick that back up. You got to stay gotta, at the Spearmint nice... Rhino in Vegas, yeah. dog. <laughs> <laughs> they got rooms. I know they got rooms. Oh my yeah. God. That's Looking so back, good. you know, maybe like the two story hotel that's nothing's really on the first floor should have been a giveaway, but uh, I guess I was a little naive at that point. That is awesome. Rate I've never the, heard that story. That's a great story. Rate the strip club on a one to 10, 10 being the rhino. I never ventured down to see uh, what kind of dancers we were working with there. Oh, okay. Um, okay, bud. You're in the trust I would tree. say I would, I would rate it pretty low. You know, the air conditioning didn't uh, last very long that week. Yeah, some sweaty, right. sweaty the, strip the clubs are the best. Turned on, though. I got to say that. Sweaty stuff. I'm guessing those rooms were rented by the hour, though, most of the time. <laughs> that is fantastic. Yeah, don't blacklight that, that room. Hey, I might have to go to Winnipeg here in a few weeks. Let me know if that hotel still exists. Oh, yeah. It was a hell of a deal. I could probably get you one. Perfect. Thanks. I would appreciate that. <laughs> Uh, let's go. Let's fast forward a little bit, though, because obviously you got the Jicky Jacks, you got through Corn Ferry Tour, then you get out on the PGA Tour. 2015, I think, when people started to realize who Tom Hoagie was because you were paired with a fellow named Tiger Woods on Saturday at the Wyndham Championship. Take us through, because I know you get your pairings on your text message. If people don't know that, you get your you get your tee time through your phone. Pops up, says, you know, round three, T one, two o'clock, yep. Tiger Woods. Take us. What was that moment like? Yeah. I mean, it was funny. I was out early the second round. I think I shot 62 in the first round. I was leading. It was out early the second round. And um, I think I was in at 11 under and I watched most of Tiger's round from my hotel room that afternoon. And I was cheering for him to get up there in the lead with me because I wanted to play with him. I mean, I'm, I'm Tiger's biggest fan, I would say growing up and uh, to get that pairing was pretty cool. So I was, I was locked in and ready to go. And uh, it was funny. I hit a nice hybrid down there that went forever hit a sand wedge to the front left pin there at Wyndham and hit it to like three or four feet just above the hole left. And I felt great walking up there. Um, and Tiger hit it to about 15 feet in the front of the green. He makes it. Everybody's going oh. freaking crazy. And I've got like a four foot downhill left to right slider that's outside the hole. And I'm like, if I miss this, I might hit this off the green 20 feet down the hill. And uh, I'll never forget that feeling. I mean, I stepped over that putt and it was like, I mean, you're shaking, you're moving. I mean, just so much excitement, adrenaline, everything running through your body. The crowd's still going crazy. Everybody's running around screaming. And uh, that's probably the first lag putt I've hit from four feet. I was just trying to cozy it up there <laughs> close to the hole and uh, get onto that next tee. But um, it was just a cool day. I mean, to get to play with him, you know, I was. it was almost like I was a fan standing there watching the first time, um, everything he was doing, taking note of it. But um I've been fortunate. I got to play with him two times since and uh, felt a lot more comfortable those next few times to get out there and teed up with him. Are you, are you chatting with him going down the fairways? What, what's the, what's the deal? It was kind of funny. I mean, the first few holes, I was kind of trying to stay out of his way and whatnot. And uh, I think it was the third hole I had putt that I had lagged up there kind of close. It could have tapped it in, but it was going to stand in this through line. So I marked it. And he kind of looked at me for a second longer, like, what the hell is this guy doing? You know, because he's real respectful. I mean, he wants you to finish out first and whatnot because he knows everybody's going to be going crazy and you've got no chance to stop him. And then the same thing kind of happened again on the fifth hole, par five, where I putted it down, but I would have been in his through line, so I marked it. I finally said to my caddy, I'm like, I don't know if I should finish these or what, because he's looking at me like, what the hell are you doing out here? And finally, he went up to Tiger. He's like, what do you want him to do? Because he doesn't want to get in your way. And he's like, hey, man, just do whatever the heck you want to do. I mean, we're both out here. And, uh, you know, from that point on, we chatted a little bit. He was great. But um, I would say I was a lot more comfortable talking to him the next few times I played. Um, and, and, yeah, just felt more comfortable in that situation. What's it like being in the last group? Like, here you are, you're leading going in this thing. You're playing with Tiger. As soon as his putt hits the bottom of the hole, it's like you're invisible. And it ain't just you. It's every single guy he's ever played with in his life. But is it weird being like, oh, I got a six-footer for birdie, and people are just beelining to the next tee. No one's even watching me. I'm leading the thing. Yeah, a little bit. Um, but, I mean, you know to expect that going into it, right? Um, the craziest part to me is just all the stupid stuff people yell all day long trying to get his attention. And... Uh, you know, I was just taken aback that 
man, this is what this guy goes through every day of his life. Everywhere he goes, people are yelling all this stuff at him. Uh, you know, we got grown men dressed up in tiger costumes, trying to get him to look over at him. And you're just like, man, I mean, you're really doing this everywhere that you go, man. It's, uh, it would be a tough life to live. That's for sure. There's a lot going on. What were what was your thought when you heard about his press conference the day before when they asked, what do you know about Tom Hoagie? And he said, what is it? <laughs> that was disrespectful. That's, I thought it was pretty funny. I mean, certainly wouldn't expect him to know who I am at that point. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, that whole thing was cool. You know, that, that club's been played a ton since then, you know, when I won and everything is still surfaced, but um, I would just say it's cool, you know, having grown up watching Tiger all those years, you know, just the fact that uh, he's even thinking about me, it's a pretty cool deal. And I would think one thing you take away from that, even though the event, you know, didn't go the way you wanted to, it's like, no matter what situation I'm in for the rest of my career, I've played a weekend in the final group with Tiger Woods. Like it ain't going to get any bigger than that. Or yeah. any, the atmosphere is never going to be bigger. Yeah. So that week I was starting the week, like 130th in the FedEx cup. I needed a good week to make the playoffs. And, um, I didn't play that well on the weekend. So I finished whatever 130th I had to go back to the corn Ferry finals a few weeks later. It's actually funny. The next weekend, I went and played the North Dakota Open on the Dakotas Tour. Uh, it's played on my home golf course. So that was kind of funny to go from playing with Tiger back to the Jickies there. But uh, a few weeks down the road, it was second or third uh, Corn Ferry playoff event. I was I ended up finishing second. But coming down the stretch there, I mean, it felt like you were out playing with your buddies just about having gone through that experience with Tiger. I mean, it just felt so much easier when, uh, you know, times in the past I was choking trying to keep that keep my tour card there. But um, exactly what you said, you know, you just felt felt like every situation from there on out was so much easier to deal with. Yeah, I mean, obviously it led you, you were knocking on the door for years, had so many very high finishes, runner ups. And then finally this year at, at Pebble. You pick up that first PGA Tour win, and you're battling Jordan Spieth coming down the stretch at one of the most iconic golf courses in the world. Take us through that final round because it was like it looked like I was with Jordan's group covering it for CBS. It looked like it was a done deal. He, he had a two shot lead. Then in about 30 seconds, it flipped, and you had a two shot lead. Take us through that last day. Yeah, I mean, I'll back up a little bit. Even you know, a couple of weeks before, I was playing well in Palm Springs, and really felt like I played a lot better that week, and I ended up finishing second. And uh, Hudson Swafford, I forget what he shot, 64 or 5 on Sunday, just went out and beat me that day. Um, so coming back to Pebble Beach, I played well the first day. Second day at Monterey Peninsula, I made a double bogey in the first hole. Some other very weak bogeys. Um, so, you know, I felt like I made a lot of mistakes in there. And then even on Sunday, you know, I went out and um, I think I double bogeyed the fifth hole to par three, uh, made a bogey on eight. So when I walked off the eighth green, I mean – I really felt like I was kind of out of the tournament at that point, to be honest with you. Um, I just had done too much wrong, so to speak, to, in order to have a chance to win a tournament. And I looked up, I think it was on nine green, finally saw a leaderboard. Um, and I think I was one back at that point. It was almost like I had new life just because I, like I said, I felt like I had screwed it up pretty good. And it just seems like when you're in those situations that your margin for error is so small and you're not gonna be able to win a golf tournament by doing some of those things. But um, I was right there. Um, and then I knew Jordan made a few birdies because he was playing right in front of me. I was a couple back. So I made a nice putt on the 11th hole um, that kind of got me going. Um, and then it's it's funny how stuff works out when you win, right? So on 14, I hit a nice wedge up there. I was just trying to hit the green really from down on that hill. And I had about 20 feet, but it was like a straight-in 20-footer finally. Um, so it was one of those spots you just get going down the hill, and it's I mean, it's dead straight. And I made that one, um, which I think got me one back at that time. And then, you know, like you said, I went over to 17. It was a perfect seven iron number for me. Like there's nothing else it could have been. Um, and I watched Jordan miss that putt, which I don't know if that was for birdie or par at the time. But like I said, like I just had comfortable shots coming in. You know, the, the some of the putts that I've always struggled with, 14, I get a straight in putt. Uh, 17, I get a perfect number for a seven iron. So they're just some easier shots. And um, it was nice to finally have that go my way. What'd you have in on your third on 18? Cause you had hybrid off the tee, but I think you had some juice going. You actually got it closer to those trees than you thought and ended up having to go over and you had a little longer shot in, yeah. for your third than I think you would have, I, I would assume than you would have liked. Yeah. So that putt on 17 was huge. It gave me a two shot lead and I've had some history with that tree on 18 there. Yeah. Uh, the year before I was actually in the final group with Jordan and I hit it right at that tree and it got stuck in the tree. I had to go back and re tee there. Hmm. And then in the first round of the tournament, I hit one that, hitting the tree as well and took a while to drop out. So 
I was real happy when I could pull hybrid off that tee. And, uh, you know, my natural shot's a little fade off the tee. So I was just expecting to get something down there. Tree won't be a problem. And I kind of hit like a little pull draw. So it went a lot further than I was expecting down there. I was right behind that dang tree again for my second shot. So uh, I had to hit an eight iron over the top of that tree. And that left me, um, I think I had like 160, low 160s in into a little wind. So I was hitting a seven iron in for my third shot. And um, it was certainly a little further than I would have liked. But at that time, I was thinking just anywhere up there around the green, just left the hole and I'll be fine. Um, well, you, you know, it got a little a little bit of a bad kick off that down slope landing just short, but uh, it all worked out, I guess. Yeah. And you, you got to raise an incredible trophy on one of the most beautiful golf courses on the planet. And I know one of your lifelong goals was to play the Masters. And when you when you won that golf tournament, it booked your ticket to Augusta National. What was it like? going there for the first time what when you got there for the masters this year was that your first time ever on property yeah i had never been there um and so i went out um on my way to bay hill about a month before i was able to take my dad and brother with a member that hosted us um and that was all of our first times to august we've never been there to watch never played so that was a pretty cool deal to get to do all together as a family for the first time um and i just played it straight through kind of took it in and um away we went, but, um, you know, that whole week, just everything about it, the drive down Magnolia lane, um, so much of that, um, just so cool to take in. And that was my first time and hopefully I'll be back next year. I think I've played well that I'm about close to locked in the tour championship at this point. So that, uh, like you said, when I won that tournament at Pebble beach, that was the first thing I was thinking I was getting me to Augusta because so many people now throughout my eight years on tour mass. If I played the masters, what does it take to, to get to Augusta? And it basically got to win. So that was pretty cool. What was your, like, what did you take away as your favorite part of the week? Hmm. I think the coolest part is just having so many family and friends that come out to watch and get to experience Augusta because I'm there. Um, and it's such a cool place. You know, everybody would always ask me, what is it like once I had finally been there? And it's like, you know, the place is so hyped up and there's so much expectation leading into it that almost everything else would fail. And this is like the one place that exceeds yeah. those expectations, right? Like there's just no way to really explain it to people. And uh, I think the coolest part was having, you know, my high school coach was able to come, some other friends and family, you know, just people that have helped me get to that point and, for them to all have Augusta as their first experience is pretty cool. Yeah. Not only is it just the, the place is incredibly special, but that's like the kind of symbol, like I made it like every kid as a, when you're growing yeah. up on the putting green, like this putts to win the masters. And then you actually get there and it's like, I made it, but staying on major championships for a minute, you're coming off your best finish here recently at the PGA championship at Southern Hills, you top 10 out there. I feel like you're starting to figure it out. Cause if you look in, Years past, like you were always, I've said this with Colt on the radio, like Hoagie's a streaky player, man. Like he might miss a few cuts in a row and then he might rattle off three weeks straight. Like once he gets going, he's really going. But if you look at your year this year, it's been a lot more level, a lot fewer missed cuts. And you just seem to be figuring out what about your game is better now that's allowed you to play more weekends, even when you don't have your best stuff. I wish I had a good answer for you, but I would probably just say that everything's gotten a little bit better and it hasn't been one huge step forward in any area, but I would say everything's just kind of got a little bit better. And, um, you know, and then throw on top of that, that I feel like I'm pretty experienced in a lot of these bigger tournaments now. Um, and I just feel like I've got a lot more comfortable playing in those, you know, I, I've qualified for a few U S opens early on in my career. And I felt like I always showed up there and wanted to play 18 holes every day and then go beat balls forever and get all the practice in. And by the time we got to the tournament, I was always worn out. And, um, you know, now my approach is kind of just play nine holes each day. And I don't want to say treat it like a normal tour event because it's not, but, I feel like I don't have to do anything extra or special those weeks. If that makes sense that um, yeah. I could just go out and play and not have to build it up to something that it's really not. And, um, you know, it's worked for me. I've been playing well and I'm, I'm just trying to kind of ride this out as long as I can, to be honest with you. And you yeah, ride with your, with your iron. I mean, with your iron game, in my opinion, I mean, it should set up well for us opens for open championships. PG, I mean, all the majors, honestly, and you're one of the best iron players on the PGA tour. Yeah. And I felt like that's always been a strength of mine. And, um, I would say, you know, I've worked with Scott Hamilton now for four or five years and, you know, he's been known for helping guys drive a little bit straighter. And, um, 
so that's been improving for me. I would say, you know, that's probably been the, the biggest improvement I've made in my time on, on tour now for eight years. I've driven a lot better. Um, and that gives me a few more chances from the fairways, to, you know, to kind of play to my strengths. And like I said earlier in the show, Hog, you're ninth in the President's Cup standings as it stands right now as we get closer to this thing. Are you keeping tabs on that? Are you adjusting your schedule this summer to possibly try to make a push to, to make that or stay on that team and make that team? Or do you just kind of say, I'm, I'm going to do my thing and let the chips fall where they may? Yeah, to be honest, I don't look at it a whole lot just because I know that, you know, there's so many great players on our U.S. team. You know, you look at that last Ryder Cup team and then, you know, throw in some of the other great players that weren't on those teams but um you know guys are playing great every week and if i want to if i want to have a chance at this team i've got to have you know multiple high finishes here to close out the year um i've always been a guy that's played a lot and my schedule's gonna be pretty busy here to close out the year so i'll certainly play plenty of weeks to give myself enough chances and um i've just got to keep playing well yeah it's been a hell of a run and i i know you can continue it and try to make your way onto that team but I think it's time to get to the E9s, please. I got a couple for him. I, I got a couple E9s lined hog. up. I got a couple <laughs> E9s lined up, lined up for the hog. He might Believe, do. He might do all nine of them for us. Believe it or not, I had, it was tough to limit oh these. It was tough to limit these bitches down to only a few for the guy. You know. All right. Well, here we go. As you know, Hoagie, we ask this to everyone. You can trade lives with anyone, dead or alive, for a day. Who's it going to be? Gosh, darn it. I choked on this one because I listened to your guys show a lot and I didn't prep at all and think about who it would be. Oh, uh, <laughs> shoot. That's TCU, um, baby. Last minute. Billy Walters pre-prison. Well, I, oh, was, yeah. I was just thinking Billy Billy Walters would be an interesting guy, but I don't know if I can admit to that one. You got to do a little uh, time. Phil don't Nichols pick the time when you're in the clink. You know what I mean? Pick one of the higher. Phil, Phil Mickelson would also be an interesting guy right now, but uh, I'm not sure I want to go down that road either. But just to see where the heck he's at would be... An interesting one. Um, man. I'm curious by this. I can, well, I'll go with Michael Jordan. He's got a good uh, mix of, you know, the basketball, gambling, uh, golf yeah, now. Yeah, He's got part. a little bit of everything going on there. That's a good Very default exciting. answer. But when you mix in the gambling portion, it makes more it makes more sense for you. I thought <laughs> I might say one of the dudes on, like, the MIT Blackjack team or something like that. Jeff Ma. Um, yeah. Yeah. That'll be a good one. All right, Jordan's a good one. All right, I'm, I'm going to need this from you right here, Hog. I know you got this inside of you, so just pull it out right here for the pod. I need you to give your best Bill Monagel impression after the final hole of regionals at Karsten Creek. That's what I need from you. I've, oh, I've heard it. I've heard it. Just <laughs> It's just me and you right now. Bring it out. All right, so I'll set this up a little bit. We were driving up from Fort Worth to Oklahoma State, and I was reading an article in Golf Week or wherever it was about, I forget the team, but a player made like a 12 in the last hole for his team to miss at regionals by like one. So that was the lead into the week, and Eno Monaco, <laughs> oh my God, can you believe it? He <laughs> yes. was he was having a heck of a time with that story. Yeah. So we get up there, I was playing well. Our team was starting the final round in sixth place. My, it was my sophomore year, and I had I think I shot 73 the first two rounds. I was playing well. So I was our last guy. And we were, I was the last guy on the golf course on the ninth hole at Karsten Creek. Just a brutal golf course. You know, the wind's blowing 20. Both sides are shit down both sides. And of course, I pull it 20 yards into the trees on the left. And it's knee high weeds and everything. So I had a provisional right down the fairway. And our golf coach, I mean, you can play all 54 holes and never see him on the golf course. I mean, that's the way most tournaments are, but sure enough, he's running back, running back down the fairway to find me. And he's like, Hoagie, we just got to make a triple here. You make a triple we're in. I'm like, okay, coach. I'm like, let's just leave that ball in the shit out there and I'll go play the provisional and we'll, we'll be fine. But sure enough, I think it was Baylor's coaches like comes running out of the woods that he found it. Of course, Baylor. So now we're, we're, we're in the dark in the woods and coach is like, Hoagie, just go back to the tee. Take it unplayable. We'll be fine. Just hit the next one. The I'm like, coach, I am not going back to the tee to have to hit this thing again. Knowing that now I've got to make a par basically in order for us to advance. And uh, I'm like, just, just stand back. I'll just swing as hard as I can in these weeds here. And it's got to come out somewhere. So I take a mighty swing and it probably gets maybe three yards from the edge of the shit. Now I'm still in the crap and coach is really losing his mind. Hoagie, are you kidding me? Hoagie, you're going to blow it. 
<laughs> just having a meltdown. I'm like, coach, just give me some space. I ended up yeah, chopping, the, it's so accurate, chopping the thing out for three. I think I made a nice double bogey. We made it by a shot or two to NCAAs, but uh, that was kind of my only experience on the golf course with coach in my four years, and I thought he was going to have a heart attack out there uh, watching me play that last hole. That's the only time God, I've ever man. heard him be on the course like saying what you should do like in terms of playing golf. Too. you know what oh, I mean? yeah. he never's you know out how there he was he had he had the sunglasses that he had pulled down way in his nose and he's looking at his phone for golf <laughs> stat for the scores the whole doing way the down. math we just need an eight <laughs> <laughs> i would have brought it up if you hadn't gotten through by the way but just the bill well, Montego yeah. running on the golf course that's that that's a, a feather in your cap because you're the only dude that ever got him <laughs> running on a golf course in, your, in the in his life so props to exactly. you exactly <laughs> yeah all right Next one, take yourself out of the mix. Biggest gambler on the PGA Tour. Not dollars-wise, just who has the addiction that's got to be at the casino at all the time. All the time. Mm. Grayson Murray. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, good, one. good one. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Matt Every's a good buddy of mine. He might be up there as well. He, uh, he He's a bad influence in my life for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you better hope he doesn't get a broadcasting gig full-time. He'll be out there all the time with you. Yeah, exactly. And you're going to have to get that wife. You have to get Kelly to loosen up a little bit, which leads me to my next question. There's a nickname. I think you made it or maybe somebody else made it, but you got a nickname for your wife. Can you tell us what it is and why? Well, it's usually the parole officer, the probation officer. Um, that, can, that can transition to the warden when I'm starting to talk about my appeal process. Um, the warden. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I've been known to go into probation for a few months at a time after some bad trips out there, but um, all it takes is one good week on the golf course, and that uh, makes the appeal a little bit easier. That yeah, expedites that appeal process. <laughs> it? She'll also like regulate fans out on the like they're making too much noise while you're over the ball. She'll crack them, won't she? Win? <laughs> She's not afraid to tell them to shut up. Yeah, no, that's, that's sure. good. That's a good thing to have. I heard they also call her MOD. Is it manager on duty or something? Because she's always like. Oh, handling yeah. all your shit for you yeah she handles my dirty work she's great uh she's real supportive but yeah mod manager on duty that's that's another nickname she's got she's hey she's got a lot of roles to fill and uh she does it well yes you PCU boys need to be babysat that's for sure <laughs> hey that's right we're a special breed all right what what hurts more a missed cut on tour or smu winning the battle of the iron skillet again oh god shoot myself I mean, there were so many years in there, you didn't even have to watch the game because you knew what the outcome was going to be. Things change, Mox. Well, we'll see. We got your coach now. We'll see what happens uh, Can't this beat year. Him. Perfect. <laughs> that was actually the yeah. perfect lead-in for the next question, Tom. If an alien, say, were to come down from outer space and you had to explain to them why TCU yeah. is so much better than SMU, how would you explain it? <laughs> Jeez. They don't know anything about either school. You got to break it down. Well, I mean, we got the better football team, the better basketball team. Chicks. Basketball. Interesting. Chicks. Oh, this this year. Recent. Well, yeah. Smarter. Uh, what? Nicer. Better campus. What else is there? You're covering it pretty well. I'm trying to think if the. I mean. To be honest, SMU has been such a – it's almost like a high school the last few years with their football <laughs> team in a situation that uh, I haven't really paid that much attention to them. Yes. Well, this is so I can help great. you out if you want me to get the scores from the Iron Skillet the last two years if you'd like me to pull that up. Uh, recency bias. Yeah. Throw it out. Well, yeah. yeah. Our, our sites are more set on uh, Texas and Baylor as our new rivals, not so much SMU. Hey, you, know, you, they're, can't beat, they're, you can't beat SMU. They're competing with Highland Park and some other places. <laughs> Highland Park. All right. Well, nice, to Tommy. One. Nice. Um, we once had Billy Horschel on our this show right here called Golf Subpar, and I asked him because, you know, he's the fashion guru of the PGA Tour. I said, who's the worst-dressed oh. guy oh. on the PGA Tour? And he happened to mention Tom Hoagie. Give me your thoughts on that. Oh, I'm glad you brought this up, actually. <laughs> That's great because I'm playing with Billy tomorrow, so I'll have to bring that one up to him. Um I don't know if you remember this, but at Pebble, the year before last, I'm walking across the first fairway near the last group with Jordan, and you look at me and you go, fuck you, by the way. And I'm like, what? He goes, 
I heard what Billy said about me on your podcast. So I was like, <laughs> I, I didn't say it. <laughs> Why are you mad at me? Uh, it's about all fault, dude. <laughs> I guess my stance would be there's a lot worse dressed golfers because I would just consider myself very conservative, middle of the road. So I can't be that bad. I mean, I'll say you've gotten a lot better. You, dude, you've gotten it used to be khaki on khaki on fairness, khaki. And I think we made fun of you at the dry heave for it one year too. And I and uh <laughs> your boy Jordan Wolf was like, dude, Hoagie came back. It's like, do I really dress like shit? What's the deal with all this? It's like you got more khaki than the military, dog. It's all khaki. <laughs> now you're you've you've tightened up a lot on the wardrobe, dude. Hey, I'll I'll take some heat for that day at Pebble Beach because you guys were ragging on me on air about wearing black vest with navy but all yep. i cared about that day was being warm enough to and, and being able to swing enough to play good golf so i don't really it give a shit what enough. i looked like that day. I'll, I'll let that slide and that shit worked too <laughs> by the way that could be your sunday red i actually hey i did have a funny story with tiger not to go off a side note but uh, we were playing at tory pines second time i played with him on sunday at tory it was kind of a cold day like it's probably upper 50s and i hate wearing jackets and whatever when i'm playing just because i feel like i don't have don't have good mobility to turn and whatnot. So I went out there in short sleeves and finally on about the sixth or seventh hole, you know, he's got the nice red cashmere sweater and everything on. Finally about the, I think it was hole seven, we are walking on the fairway and he looks at me. He's like, aren't you cold out here? I'm like, yeah, man, I'm freezing my ass off, but I don't get the good cashmere. Like you get like foot joy. I mean, I take whatever I get and I hate wearing their stuff. So I, I just suck it up here. I'm freezing my ass off. That's great. Yeah. I got yeah, Pima tired. cotton, bro. I don't get the cashmere. Yeah, people, yeah exactly. bring you, people bring you out fresh clothes on the next hole. Yeah, with oh, a tailor to yeah. fit that. Yeah, shit if you want to let me borrow that red cashmere, I'll be happy to wear it. Yeah, let me get that. Let me get that jacket real quick, bro. You got plenty of them. <laughs> All right, I got one here for you. This is a random. This is just a shot in the dark. You probably have no, you know, chance of getting this right. But just off the top of your head, do you happen to know the last highway exit in the state of Texas on the way from Fort Worth to the Windstar <laughs> Casino? Just random just kind of oh, i do 504 it was a great bet uh <laughs> once again jordan wolf we we're in the car somewhere around denton probably uh shit colts should know the answer to this question he knows well. it yeah he knows but, it um but yeah that was uh that was some good seed money for the blackjack table that i won off of jordan by knowing that it was 504 before it rolls over to one for the windstar exit yeah 504 yeah. the next one thackerville he made the bet and jordan like he thought it was just jordan so dumb he thought it was just random i was like of course he's gonna know the frick you could probably you could probably win that bet the next 10 times with jordan too he probably probably doesn't remember that you got him on it oh yeah for sure i love him all right shout out my jordan. last one what was more nerve-wracking playing in the final group with tiger on a saturday or trying to fill the massive shoes of your childhood idol sleeves at tcu Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm. good question colt good question you know, you know i just missed sleeves at tcu and i heard all the stories about them so i i felt um a little bit left out for sure you know free to share we gotta go we're on a time crunch right now so we gotta <laughs> we gotta button this shit up quick bro <laughs> the funny no. part is none of these stories ever involved anything on the golf course though <laughs> that's because i didn't do shit <laughs> yeah i mean he finished 32nd yeah. at texas tournament one year that was pretty cool <laughs> uh, what was Sleaze's reputation at TCU? We, like, the, what would you hear? Oh God, mm. Hoagie, think, think, think deeply on this he answer. Was the, he was the mentor for all the young guys, molded their futures into such great young men that they this are. Is such bullshit. That's good. That's good. That's the way I tried to carry myself, dude. Is just someone like a role model more than anything, you know. Just to pave the some, way. There, there were some good stories, you know, some run-ins with the stars of the football team and whatnot. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> All right, now we for sure, we for sure gotta go. Don. I know that one. Oh, uh, that's so far in the vault. That's with my rap album from Seaforth in the vault. Oh uh, uh, well, Hoagie, that, that's great. We, that's a perfect way to end it right there, man. We really appreciate you taking the time and joining us. Enjoyed it, guys. Hoagie. We'll, uh, we'll see you at the uh, Iron Skillet this fall, huh? You got it, bud. Keep up the great play. Fun to watch, bro. All right. Well, that was the legend from TCU, Tom Hoagie, joining us here. What a beauty he is. The man likes some action. Cannot get to the casino fast enough. I love his nicknames for his wife, though. The yeah. Warden. Yeah, uh, manager on duty. Yeah. She runs that shit. But if you get out there and you're watching Hoagie and you're making a little too much noise while, while, while our man's getting ready to hit, 
uh, perish the thought she's going to have that ass. How about, how about my guy? When you're on the jicks, you don't have a lot of money. You got to be price line in hotels, word of mouth. Hey, where are you staying? Oh, it's only 90 bucks. Cool. You show up and you got a little strip club feature down at the bottom. That never happened to me in Canada. I'm a little pissed off. I missed that spot. Honestly. Yeah, no kidding. I hope it's still there. God, it's got to check it out. Could a place like a hotel slash strip club, you think they can go out of business? That's recession proof. Yeah, but how cool. I mean, gets to play 2015 in the final group with Tiger Woods. Place was going absolutely insane. Battles Jordan Spieth for his first PGA Tour win at Pebble Beach. I mean, it's been... Things are trending in a very nice direction for Tom Hoagie. Yeah, back-to-back duels with Jordan Smith at Pebble Beach. I mean, he's been that thing two times, and he's just a guy that look at it year after year. Like we said, it used to be like you'd see some flashes of great golf and then some miscuts, and then some more good golf and then some miscuts. Now it's like leveling out. It's like good golf, good golf, okay, occasional miscut. He's just playing the weekends. His bad golf is better than it's ever been before, and his good golf's gotten really good. Went on the PGA Tour, and like I said, he's fighting for a President's Cup spot, which that team is, I mean, it's beyond, beyond mm-hmm. loaded. Yeah, he's doing much better than TCU is against SMU in football, just in case we you just forgot about your that. coach. It's fine. I mean, like I said, it's not even an issue for us. We're like, oh, yeah, who do we play this week? Oh, a little JV squad. We got to get ready for Texas and those type of deals. Yeah, Sometimes good. that just kind of slips through the cracks. Anyways, good luck with that. The PGA Tour is in full swing, and the best place to tee off is on FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up with promo code SUBPAR. FanDuel is an official betting operator of the PGA Tour, so they have all your favorite bets to choose from. we got head-to-head matchups, nationality bets, all kinds of boosts. It's great. The only place to get amongst it, FanDuel, please. Same game parlays. Fire that off. you got a little NBA Finals happening right now. Whatever you like, you just send it on the thing. All right, well, we're on to the Canadian Open this week. A lot of news being made, obviously, with the Live Golf. We don't need to get into that. Let's focus on the Canadian Open. Scotty Scheffler's in the field. Justin Thomas in the field. It's uh, it's one of the oldest events on the, I believe, the third oldest event on the PGA Tour. We came close last week with some of our bets, and then they absolutely collapsed. Now the Sunday scaries. Ugh. Yeah, it was not a Sunday. Was expecting Monday. buzz. Like somebody's for sure gonna win. Probably both of these things are gonna cash, and then yeah. All right, well let's get to it. I, for my favorite this week, the Canadian Open. Okay, a Canadian has not won the Canadian Open in 68 years. 1954, Pat Fletcher. I think the time. Has come for that to change. I like where you're going with this. Talk to me. The highest rate Canadian in the field, your guy, mm-hmm. Corey Connors, going off at 20 to 1. I love him this week. He's a ball striking machine. He just gets the putter. I just, the only thing that makes me nervous is there's all that talk about how long it's been for since a Canadian. Every time one of them gets up there in contention, it's, it's, a, major it's, it's a lot of pressure. Them, it is. It's it. But it's changing. Corey Connors, let's go. Never, never. We get an argument when the name Corey Connors <laughs> just say, yes, cash that ticket. I'd be actually happy, even though I'm not picking him, if Corey Connors got it done. I'm going to go around the same odds. I'm staying away from the top, top guys. The odds are pretty thin. Going with a guy that's going off at 24 to 1. He's playing his best golf of the year, arguably. He's coming off his uh, consecutive top 10s for the first time of this season. Putter is starting to work. The ball striking's never really been an issue. I'm going with Tony Finau, trending right now. Is he? Yeah. Is he not? I mean, it's it's getting better. Two top tens in a row. I mean, that's it the first crazy backdoor top ten at Colonial. Yeah, backdoors they still count. Sunday still counts, as we just found out. But starting to play twenty four to one for a guy like Tony, who seems to be kind of rounding in the form right now. The putters look good. Uh, the last couple times out, I think that's a pretty juicy little little bet for Tone. I'm hey, I'm fine with it. I love Tony Fee now. Um, he he is due to turn this thing around and start getting in contention a lot more because it's been quite a bit of struggle. Um, speaking of struggle, my dark horse. On Sunday, we just had a bad Sunday. Everything it just wasn't good, but it's okay. It's a new week. Yeah, forget about that quick. So my dark horse going off at 50 to 1. He won the Canadian Open in 2016 and 2017. I know it was at a different golf course, but he loves Canada. He was playing really well last week until a final round 81. 80s were prevalent on Sunday out there, Jack Spot. But Johnny Vegas, okay, he loves it up there. 50 to 1. I love those odds. I'm ignoring the nine over. 81 on Sunday. It doesn't matter. He's going to play well in Canada. Be a goldfish. When you shoot 80s, yeah. you got to be a goldfish. You just scrap that right away. 80s, like I said, a lot of great players shooting in the 80s mm-hmm. on Sunday. I'm going to stay around that same range in terms of odds. I'm going 42 to 1. I've talked about this guy a little bit on here, but he's starting to go a little bit. My guy, Sahith. Sahith the Gala. I don't even know his name. Sahith, but we call him Sahith. When you see him out there, one of the best short games. In the, it's unbelievable. It's spectacular. He drives the ball really crooked most of the time. He's dead last in accuracy for a long time. But when it clicks, he's pretty damn good because everything else is good. It's just can he keep it uh, playable? 
off the tee, but I mean, he doesn't hold much back. He just got his fourth top 10 of the year. He's gotten close a couple of times. Close calls at Phoenix, finished third out there, was right there on the 71st hole, uh, close to the Sanderson Falls before a little back nine fold down there uh, earlier in the year. If he hits that driver straight, which it seems like you can't get around Muirfield without driving it. You can't you can't finish top ten out there without driving it. Those well, fairways so, are pretty big though. Um, I'm gonna go with Sahith. Man. I like it. But if you're looking for a dark horse, he's fun to watch, man. Dude, really, he's got like he hits that. cool shots too. Moves yeah. it around, swings kind of homegrown. It's, it's fun to watch. All right, well, get in on the action with tournament winners, top five finishes, match betting, and so much more. If you haven't tried FanDuel, now is the perfect time to give it a shot. Just join with promo code Subpar and turn a five dollar bet into two hundred dollars in free bets, win or lose, exclusively on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Must be twenty one years older in select states. Ten dollar first deposit required. Bonus issued as is non-withdrawable free bets that expire fourteen days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com/sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred Next Step or text Next Step to five three three four two in Arizona. Call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Colorado. One eight 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 seven eight nine seven 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 or visit ccpg.org/chat in Connecticut. One eight hundred Gambler or visit FanDuel.com. Slash RG in New Jersey, Iowa, and Illinois, 1 877 8 home NY, or text Hope NY. That's 467 369 in New York, or 1 800 522 4700 in Wyoming. That's if you're in Wyoming. Remember all that. I got all those saved, and I said, do not answer, do not call. I don't have a problem gambling. All right. It's coming back. Well, don't forget, we are going to be at the U.S. Open, get among, getting amongst it. Hope to see you all there. We'll talk to you on next week's Golf Subpar. <laughs>